You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hello, David. Hi. How are you today? I've got a bit of a cold, but apart from that, I'm okay. Cold suck. Is it like uh, in your head or is it a... It, well, no, it's on my chest. The problem I've got is that um, after I got back from Greece, I, I was down all week with a, with a bad stomach. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I got over that, then I immediately got hit by this and the whole family's got it. So that's the worst thing about colds. It's not... It's not so much the you know the suffering that that it causes you is the fact that before you know it, everybody you've had contact with for the last four days has got exactly the same thing, and you're all coughing and spluttering, and that's not very nice. No, it's it's terrible. Yeah. So I, I like I was telling you right before we hit record, I finally got some sleep. Yeah. Yeah. You've been a traveling man. Yeah, uh, I took this week off because I knew I was going to need it, and I was right. Went yep. to uh, Washington D.C. and uh, saw the the major sites, and it's it's you know I put twelve hundred miles on the car in a four day period. Mm. We woke up, jeez, uh, Monday morning, and I didn't go to bed until Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, that's that's brutal. That's easier when you're young. Well, I've noticed that I've, you know, you spell to do those things quite easily, but once you get get into the thirties and beyond, then it becomes harder and harder. Yeah, uh, I'm now at the point where you know I I don't do anything like that unless I absolutely have to. Well, you know, the thing was the, the older girls had the parade that they were in. That's ostensibly why we went, and uh, it was fun. It was it was great watching them, but the parade didn't kick off till two p.m. And, you know, we were there a couple hours, so 4 o'clock rolls around. We head back to the hotel via the uh, the metro in Washington. It's the subway. The little kids loved riding the subway, of course. Yeah. And so we get back to the hotel where the car was, jump in the car, and hit the road. So we left around 5. We got back home at about 3 a.m. So... Basically, what, 10 hours later? Yeah. And that's, that's you know, at that point, the, we carry the, the little kids up to, to bed, but uh, the big kids aren't going to be home until another hour and a half. Uh, they ended up getting in at 5.30. So we had to stay awake for that. So we take the, uh, yeah, at that point, the, the little kids are going to wake up soon. It's morning. Yeah. So when do you get to sleep? You don't. That's right, yeah. I think it was harder on my wife. To be honest, she was uh, she was struggling to stay awake <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> uh, I was I was it was really hard for me at first, but I hit around uh, 10 a.m. and I guess you could say I kind of caught my second wind. Yeah, yeah, powered through it. Of course, the funny thing was, you know, I I, I got into bed Tuesday night, and I'm thinking I don't feel tired, so I'm going to read a little bit here on my iPad, and I got a paragraph in. Said, uh, maybe I could go to sleep. Boom, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got a, I've got a similar thing on this weekend. Tomorrow we're um, we're driving from from here from Manchester to get the ferry at Hull to Rotterdam in um, in Belgium, uh, and then from there we got a kind of a three hundred fifty mile drive from there to Paris. We'll arrive in Paris on Saturday lunchtime, and uh, then. 
Sunday morning, we're going to go from where my brother lives in Paris to um, Disneyland Paris, which is the other side of Paris from where he lives. And my uh, my eldest son, or my only son, uh, is uh, doing a performance at Disneyland Paris on Sunday afternoon. Oh, that's awesome. So we're going to hang around and see that. And obviously we're taking uh, Charlotte, who's only three, around Disneyland for the first time as well. So she'll get a kick out of that, I'm sure. Now, because and, uh, your son's playing, you know... Performing there, do you get in free? No. <laughs> no, that's, that kind of blows. I always remember, whenever anything like that like that comes up, I always remember what uh, Robin Williams said after his famous falling out with Disney <laughs> over, uh, over the uh, payment rights for his performance in Aladdin. <laughs> he said, you know why Mickey Mouse only has, three, uh, only has four fingers and no thumb, so he can't sign any checks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we don't get in for free. You might hear some barking in the background. The puppies are over five weeks old. They're playful. They're scampering around. Seem to be peeing all over the kitchen. I'm getting real tired of mopping. I can tell you that right now. Well, I think that's what chloroform is for. That's right. Or a <laughs> deep bathtub. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, it, it's... Two of them already have homes we got to find. Anybody out there that lives in the... Uh, with the, oh, let's say a 200-mile radius from West Michigan. If you want some very cute puppies, I'm going to have two girls available. Um, actually, I, I, I like them a lot. I would love to be able to keep them if we lived out in the country, but <laughs> no. But yeah. my, it's funny, my, my biggest dog, welcome to Tech Fan, yeah? Yeah. Uh, my biggest dog is pretty much still a puppy himself. I mean, he hasn't even turned one yet. Uh-huh. But he's big, and he yeah. wants to play with these puppies so bad. But he does this thing with his paw where he kind of flips you. He, he yeah. kind of pushes your arm away when you're playing with him. And he did that with one of these puppies, and the puppy went flying four feet. <laughs> I was like, Noah, that's enough. Yeah, that's right. Well, maybe, maybe if, if there's nobody who actually wants the puppies, but somebody within 200 miles radius with a mop who wants to come over and spend some time in your house. <laughs> so... uh you know, I was listening. You know, you go through phases in podcasting. Mm-hmm. You know, you like this show, and then you're like, "Yeah, I don't like it as much as I used to." I'm going to start listening to this other show. It's healthy. That's what you're supposed to do. That's to me. That's the uh, appeal of podcasting. Yeah. And if I you, dro- I, yeah, I dropped a show this week. Oh, would you? Do you want to say who it was? Or it's a sure. To- yeah, it was. Um, I, it was kind of a sad day, really, because I've listened to this show from the beginning, but it was MacBreak Weekly on uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, because for the third week running, they just did nothing but talk about rumors. And, uh, I mean, you and I have said for a while, the only reason that we've, you know, for a long time we've listened to that show is to listen to Andy and Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, with these rumor shows, he doesn't say an awful lot because I don't think he, I don't think it's something that he's particularly comfortable talking about. Um, well, it's also very uh, boring know, to me. Well, it, well it, the, the point is it's, it's, it's futile. Yeah. You can you can talk about speculation, and they're not talk not necessarily talking about speculation. They kind of got into this groove where they're kind of defining what the next Macs are going to be, what the next iOS devices are going to be, what the next um, iOS uh, software platform is going to be. Uh, and an hour and a half of that every week, I just don't need it. No. You know, if I want to find that stuff, I'll go and look it out on the web. But you know what? I don't. F- 
for me personally, and this is just my thing, you know, I know Leo shows are very popular and um, he's got a big listener base and maybe that's what a lot of the people listening to his shows wants it want. But I, I just don't. I just find it dull. I think so a lot of people I, are tired of the rumors, but I think there's also a lot of people who love them. And it's yeah. nice that you have those options. We don't, yeah. we don't really do rumors here. I don't mind speculation. In fact, you know, that's almost most tech podcasts are speculation. What's going to happen, you know, that sort of thing. But rumors is a different beast, and I don't think it's healthy because they start setting expectations. Yeah. And then when those expectations aren't met, people are disappointed. And it's like, wait a minute, this was a rumor to begin with. This was never confirmed. It was... And, and even speculation to a degree, um, you know, it's got to be fairly informed. And a lot of what they've been talking about recently, I just, just didn't, I didn't feel it was informed. And I certainly didn't feel it warranted, you know, uh, an hour and a half to two hours over three weeks running. And I just thought, well, I'm, I'm done with this. I'll go and listen to something else instead. So I did. Fixing it in post, right? Right. Skype just dropped you off. Definitely did. Hmm. So, yeah, I used to uh, listen to Smodcast from uh, Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, it used to make me laugh a lot. It was kind of lighthearted, a little bit inside entertainment Hollywood type of stuff. I mean, he's a director, writer. And I uh, I liked his movies for a long time. Yeah, and, and a guy with fairly forthright opinion didn't mind speaking them. Yeah, but I kind of got a little tired of it when... Uh, he got a sponsor called uh, the Fleshlight. That would be the. Um, sex no, that's light. okay. Yeah, we don't have to go into it. <laughs> right, okay. And, and you know they would do a good three-minute commercial for this thing, a right. li- kind of a live read thing, every week. And I got a little tired of the. You know, I I, I have no problem with cursing. I do that quite a bit. Yeah. Um. And I'm not a prude when it comes to sexuality or anything like that. But I don't know. It, it just became a little bit much. It started becoming a, funnily enough, a turnoff for me. <laughs> and it was just like, eh. well, I, I guess, I guess that kind of line of of. Well, it's kind of like college, you know, junior, uh, high school, college boy humor. And well, Kevin I mean, Smith I, I is get, my I mean, age. That, yeah, if that if that's kind of the way it's played. It, you know, and it you, was. You, yeah, right. Okay, so it was kind of sniggery, smutty, ha, 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 we're talking about sex toys type of thing. A little, little bit. Yeah, so, you know, that that's fine, but I think you've got to mix it up a little bit if you're going to do something like that. Well. Uh, and one of the difficulties about, I mean, it's interesting you say it was like a live read. English people, we've never really had that here. And uh, English people, because we've never had it on our media, we find live reads generally very uncomfortable. Um, because to our, to our ears, it sounds kind of false. Yeah. Does it, you know, it, I mean, what's, does it, what is it meant to say? Is it meant to mean that the host or the person doing the live read is endorsing the product personally, that they use it personally, or are they just reading a script? If they're just reading a script, then, you know, and yet they're going about, oh, this is great, this is wonderful, this is fantastic, then it, it can sound very phony and false. And if they're endorsing it, you know, are they endorsing it because they're being paid to do so, because they really like the thing. So all of that ambiguity always finds it 
always makes that sort of thing very uncomfortable to my ears and to I know, I know to a lot of people's uh, in in on the you know who listen to to American media uh, who I know here over over here uh, makes it uncomfortable now throw in the fact that it, we're talking about um, you know, a particular category of product that some people may find uncomfortable and certainly not everyone's going to be experienced in. Uh, and I can imagine those things being compounded and would need quite a lot of finesse to deal with. And it doesn't sound like it hit, quite hit the mark for you. It wasn't just the reliable read. It was just, again, Kevin Smith's my age. I, I, I would like to think that my humor or my interests have moved beyond where it was when I was in 11th and 12th grade when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. And I understand you've got to play to your audience to some degree. And we do that here. Our listeners are generally very technically savvy fans of technology, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we play to that audience because that's us as well. And so I, I get where he was coming from while he was doing it, but I don't know. I just get it got too much. I just got too tired of it. Yeah. So I stopped listening. Well, I, like I said, I picked it up and uh, tuned into Stitcher, and I listened to his last episode. And I'm not kidding you. Uh, I think the the show was an hour and a half long. For the first, and I'm not exaggerating, for the first 20 minutes, it was nothing but self promotion. <laughs> So at the be- very, very beginning, for the first, I'm going to say seven to eight minutes, was nothing but where he's going to be live doing his show. Uh, mm. My daughter's trying to call me right now. I feel bad because I'm not going to answer the phone. <laughs> and and so finally the, the actual show starts. That was all pre-recorded. And I kind of yeah. powered through it, but it was, it was like really the first eight minutes. This is, er- this is what people have to hear. And it was just, I'm going to be in Chicago on May 25th, going to be in Green Bay, and and he's trying to liven it up a little bit, but it was just like ugh. And then the actual show starts, and he proceeds to say the, exactly the same thing. Hey, by the way, I'm going to be here and here and here, and I'm like, yeah, you just did, you just you dropped in the audio where you're going to be. And it was another <laughs> 10 minutes of self-promotion. Hey, we've got this. I'm doing this show with this guy. Go check it out. And we talk about this, this, and this. And, oh, hey, I'm going to do this now. And it was, it was terrible. I mean, I, mm. why? And, and then, of course, he's also doing the advertising, the people that are paying for the show. So, yeah. in essence, the first 15, 20 minutes was nothing but a commercial. Now, look. If I was getting the money to podcast the way he's getting money to podcast, maybe my opinions would be different. But putting aside the fact that I'm a podcaster, in the, in this regard, I'm just a listener. Who the hell is going to want to sit there and listen to that for that long? I think it's yeah. I think it's crass. I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I was just blown away. I finally stopped, and I was just like, I, I you've completely lost me as a listener. Why? Why would you do that to your own audience? Well, not only that, I, I, appearance stuff is kind of weird because that you know a, a long list of appearance details is not the sort of thing that you, that you need to read out so that people listen to it in audio form. 
No. I mean, you there's just this whole thing you would say. a certain web page, and there's where my appearances yeah. are. And and you know you could you could certainly pepper pepper anything with references to that sort of stuff without necessarily. Um, or at the very you know, least, you know, you talk about the ones you're going to be at the next two weeks. Limit yeah. it to that. Yeah, hey, and talk this about week what, I'm gonna be what here you're going to do, and and yeah. you know how, what what you'd like to do, and what people could do to to kind of help it along, or you know, I I well. Uh, the, pro- the problem is there's a lot of people you see these guys all over Twitter all the time um, who, who view these who view any kind of new technology or social media or anything like that as a, as a new mechanism for um, pure marketing uh, and very much uh, not very much beyond that and um, it's kind of sad really because they go they get so enthused by it they go so full on into it and it, it kind of destroys what it's all about I agree. It loses the point that that people, you know, don't want to spend time just being purely marketed to, um, you know, because we're reckon we're all capable of recognizing an ad when we see it most of the time, uh, and we, you know, it's it's just being purely advertised at. It's just no fun. No, in fact, to me, it, it's terrible. That, um, that kind of that, that kind of bring, go ahead. I was going to say that kind of brings me on to um, something else that, that I was hoping we'd talk about last week we didn't get time which is the whole um, business with uh, what's happened with Diablo 3 um, uh, do you, I don't know if you want to take a break and then we can come back to that yeah let's do that um, yeah. we've got a feedback that I want to get to as well Yeah. and uh, of course I do maybe we'll push the uh, future of television in the third segment so okay. we'll be right back Siri can you help me find a good podcast why do you want to find a good baseball bat? Podcast, you... Well, I like to listen to Pocket Size Podcast. It's a great short podcast about all things iOS and iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, and Apple TV. And it's got a great co-host. You mean Peter? No, me. <sighs> Could you just find me a good book instead? Why do you want to become a crook instead? I thought it was men that weren't supposed to be able to understand women. Now searching for men who don't understand women. Oh, there are about 3.5 billion of them on Earth right now. I can find support groups for you. Now searching for support groups for men who don't understand women. Look, there's 12 near you. One of them even exists. Whether you're a man or a woman, you'll find Pocket-Sized Podcast to be a great resource for all things about Apple's iOS devices iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, and Apple TV. We feature reviews, interviews, and great coverage of all kinds of software and hardware devices. And the best part about it is, we don't talk about beta software, if you know who I mean. Ouch, that hurts. After all we've been through together. Find us at PocketSizePodcast.com, or search iTunes for Pocket Size Podcast. I'm Tim Robertson, he's David Cohen, this is Tech Fan, segment number two. <laughs> So uh, you played Diablo, the new one? No, no. I, like I interested? said last week, well, I'm not going to go out and buy it. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen some gameplay video, and it looks really good as far as graphics, but it seems like it's the same game I played 15 years ago. Well, I don't think it is the same game. I think it's considerably worse than the same game. 
because well, I mean the basic mechanics. Game, I go, yeah. you go into yes. a dungeon, you harvest, you find, you do that, and you kill a couple guys, and you go back up to the town, and you turn in the stuff that you found for money, so you could buy better stuff. Yeah, that's rinse repeat. Yeah, hack and slash dungeon crawler. Right. That's uh, that's kind of what those games have always been about. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is I went back and had a look at the original Diablo uh, and Diablo 2 because, I mean, I, I I was really into these games. Yeah, a lot really of people were. Yeah. Um, uh, never finished either of them, to be honest, but um, that says more about my limited gameplay skills rather than... Uh, it wasn't for lack of trying, put it that way. Um, and and I, I have... Well, I only have one copy of the original Diablo, but I have like three or four copies of Diablo 2. Why? Have them all lined, up, all lined up on a shelf. Because what would happen is uh, I remember when I didn't really know when Diablo 2 was coming out, and I saw it in the stores the couple of days it was released, and I was actually working away at the time, so I bought it. And so every night I was in the hotel room playing it, and it was absolutely fantastic. So I really got quite a, quite a long way through it. And then, you know, I never really had the time. I mean, it's one of those things because it's... Yeah, as you say, it's a rinse repeat type game, so you need to put a lot, a lot of hours into it to kind of get further on. Yep. Uh, I, and I just, you know, never found found enough dedicated time to put into it. So I would always move forward, maybe you know, half a level, something like that, and then come away from it. And what would happen is, uh, you know, because I travel a lot of business, um, sometimes I would kind of be away for a week or so, and I'd think, oh, what am I going to do tonight? You know, I fancy playing Diablo too. I didn't have it with me, but by that time it was on budget release, so I'd just go to a game store and buy another copy of it. Um, I normally had my save file somewhere on on my laptop, so I could actually continue on from where I was before. Um, and so I kept on doing that. So I ended up with three copies of the original game and the expansion packs because they all started coming with as well. So, you know, this is, some, this is a, a game I know pretty well. I was very excited when four and a half years ago they said that they were starting work on Diablo 3 um, my, I've not played Diablo 3 yet um, but my take from what I've seen is that bearing in mind that the, between Diablo and Diablo 2 there was quite a lot of change in the way the game worked, they really improved it quite a lot um, I'm surprised that after four, year, four and a half years of development they haven't been able to do more with the gameplay in Diablo 3 um, from what I've read of the reviews uh, and the stuff they have put in there is all stuff that um, seems to benefit Blizzard, and I don't really seem to think it benefits the game player at all. They had a they had a horrible launch because they, um, you know, they underestimated demand. That you know, it sold nearly five million copies in the first week if you count all the pre-orders, um, and they weren't geared up to deal with that. And one of the reasons they weren't geared up to deal with that is because this game, even if you're playing single player, requires an account with Blizzard, a Battle.net account, which is a dif- different account from from any Battle.net account you've had before, uh, and it's talking to their servers all the time. I've no idea what it's doing, because, you know, the old games never needed to do that, and we now have computers that are probably five, six times more powerful than the game I had in 2000, when it ca- the PC I had in 2000 when it came out. So I don't understand quite what the servers are doing to help the game along, though I'm sure they're harvesting lots of interesting information for Blizzard about how their players are playing the game um, and what, what um, items they're picking up and, and you know what, what powers they're using, that sort of thing. So it probably helps them from a game balance point of view. But the difficulty is, is that uh, you need a good internet connection and you need Blizzard servers to be up in order to play the game, even if you're on playing single player. And that's where uh, your problem is? Well, that's, that's what... That's, 
I, I mean, I didn't like the sound of that right from the beginning because I thought, well, yeah, it sucks for me because I, I can't play it where I want to play it. You know, I can't... Uh, if I don't have an internet connection, I'm not going to be able to play. And sure enough, what's, what people are finding is if they have a poor internet connection, then the game plays like um, WoW on a dial-up line. It, it gets all laggy, um, like you're playing online against other people when, in fact, you're just playing locally. So you need that good internet connection. If you don't have it, if you are traveling, you're stuck in a hotel room on lousy Wi-Fi, or you're stuck somewhere where there's no internet at all, then you can't play Diablo 3. Um, and I'm, I just don't have as much time to play at home as, as I would like. So um, that put me off buying it, and I know it's put off a lot of other people from buying it. The other thing is that one of the big features they put into Diablo 3, or that we're going to put into Diablo 3, and was part of the justification for this online um, requirement, was, a, was what they call the real-time auction house. So as you said, Diablo 3 is all about killing monsters and picking up the stuff they drop when you kill them. And, you know, nine times out of ten, what you pick up is a bit of gold and some, you know, a cracked sword or a piece of beat-up armor or something like that. But every now and again, you find something with magical powers or... Um, something like that and what you tend to do is you keep that stuff in your stash and you use that to get further in the game what the real time auction house was meant to be able to do is to allow you to sell to other players within the Diablo 3 universe (coughs) excuse me whether they're um, playing single player or or multiplayer you could sell those items for either in game gold or um, for real money now, this feature has not appeared and has been pushed back again and again. And I think, again, it's the third time it's been pushed back now. At this point, um, Blizzard aren't saying when it's ever going to come out. Um, and there's also a lot of talk this week on the internet about the fact that um, some people have apparently had their accounts hacked and all their stuff stolen. Uh, and uh, Blizzard are downplaying that as, as a minor problem, but I'm starting to see reports that it's happened more and more, and nobody keeps, seems to know how it's happening. So um, you put all of that together, and, and go, you know, going back to, to where I came from, from this original point about um, you know, whether, this, whether this stuff is being put into these games because it helps the player and it improves their experience, or whether it's done because it, it helps and improves the experience of the provider of the service or the entertainment. Um, just in the same way that Kevin Smith can spend 25 minutes plugging himself on his show because he can, because that serves his, his interests, sounds to me like Blizzard's put an awful lot of stuff on Diablo 3 that doesn't do anything for the player but serves Blizzard's interests. And, um, you know, all the, put all that together, and I'm, no, I'm not terribly keen to go and buy it at this point. Not, certainly not full price. My, you know, I think my biggest problem with it is I don't want to play computer games. Well, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, that comes back to this whole thing about playing online. I don't mind the online. I, I don't want to well, play no. games on the computer itself. I want to play them on my iPad or maybe in my uh, living room on the television. But nobody would ever design an iPad game that expected you to be online all the time. Hmm, I don't know about that. You might, they have, I mean, you know, in-app purchase is, is, a, is, is there in, in the App Store, but it's not... Excuse me again. It's not. It's not. It's fairly rare that there are games that make it almost compulsory to move forward. Um, and certainly, you know, I've have ne- never come 
come across much software in the app, in the iOS app store that requires you to have a live internet connection just to play, unless it's specifically a multiplayer online game. Yeah. Yeah, I could see where you would have problems with it, and I can understand why you're hesitant to buy it. What What but do you just, think it would? To- well, just to, just to kind of expand on that, really. Obviously, you know, you could argue that I'm I'm an edge case in that you know I want to play the game when I travel and I don't want to play it at home. But there's plenty of people who don't have good internet connections, and even the people who do have good internet connections, maybe what they want to devote those internet connections to is the stuff on the internet that they want to do, and not playing an online a single player game that requires online access. Not, you know, not I, to I, mention I the fact that you know everyone's going to be dealing with bandwidth caps soon. Exactly. I mean, I have no idea what the bandwidth requirements for Diablo Three are, or how much it uses. But the point is, you know, how, what happens if you're playing the game and all of a sudden somebody else in your house starts streaming a video? Yeah, I was thinking, that's what play- I was thinking of the first time when you started talking about it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, well, my kids like the Apple TV. I've got Netflix and. Uh, what what happens if they go and start watching Scooby Doo in the other room? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not you know I, I've already, I already see that I'm on the iPad and I'm downloading something on the computer and the connection is terrible on my iPad. I'm, I'm I can't I stream a video or whatever. It just yeah. it's laggy. It goes it goes to to your point about not playing the computer. I I think computer gaming per se is increasingly more a tough sell. Oh, I agree. Uh, uh, it's going to be even I, more so when the new PS3 and the new Xbox and yeah. and the increasing use of iPads and iPhones and Kindle Fires and yeah, you know, all these things are designed to have a connection to the internet to download stuff and to play on those devices. That's right. Yeah. And so, so I think you know they've got an uphill struggle anyway, and then to encumber the game with all this other stuff as well just makes it even worse and it, pretty much every single low low review you'll see online for diablo 3 uh, mentions these issues there's very few people who say oh yeah it's just a, it's just a bad game the people are saying well it's, it's okay it's okay for start, i think they are saying it's, it's only okay it's not stunning yeah so it can't overcome the challenges that the online DRM and the uh, and the server issues have have brought with it. Now you know I'm you know the counter argument to that is well it's the biggest selling game in PC history, you know five million copies in a week or something like that. But I you know the, the difficulty is for me Diablo two had an incredibly long tail. I mean Diablo two Battle Chess, which is kind of the most recent kind of combo pack of everything you get for it was one of the top 50 selling games last year. It's still hugely popular. Yeah. That's 10, uh, 12 years after it was released. I'm telling you now, there's no way Diablo 3 had that sort of longer tail, particularly encumbered with these problems. And of course, even if it did have, even if it was that successful, are you telling me that Blizzard is still going to be around um, and corporately in a position to support server server infrastructure for 5 million players in, in 8, 10 years time you know full well they're going to pull the plug at some point and then you can't play the game at all scary stuff I, I just I just think you know I, I find it incredibly depressing that, that Blizzard who are a company who always seem to really get it seem to understand that you know the, the gameplay experience um, was everything you know they're, they're famous for constantly play balancing and adjusting their games and you know and they really they really 
kind of with World of Warcraft and 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 Diablo, and they've really blazed a trail in in computer gaming um, and online services as well. And for them to get get to the point that they're getting it so badly wrong now, it just kind of really boggles my mind and makes me sad. I can understand it. Is, do you think there's anything they could do to win you over? Well, if they if they issued a patch tomorrow that removed the online DRM requirement, so I could play the game alone, um, or even if they just reduced it so it kind of went to a Steam-like thing where just every week or so it wanted to check in with the servers for a for a, a licensing and and DRM type purposes, I could live with that. I would still wouldn't be thrilled about it. You know, I've complained before about I hate it when Steam does that. Um, but at least it would be better than just requiring a permanent connection. Um, and I and I I think they need to put up their hands and actually make some statements about this, all of this, and say, you know, look, we we tried a model, um, we tried to do uh, gaming a different way, and and here's what we learned from it, and here's how we're going to take it forward. At the moment, they're just kind of you know going around going la did ah, isn't it wonderful? Five million sales. Hmm. Interesting. I I don't really have anything to add because you know I'm not passionate about it either way. But I, I understand where you're coming from. What what really worries me is that uh, gaming will will go like this. Um, computer gaming and p- even console gaming will go like this, where everyone goes, you know what? This is a great idea. We can cut down on piracy. We can prevent resales. We can spam our customers with ads in their games. You know, I've been playing um, Batman Arkham City on the Xbox 360. Oh, you finally got it. Yep. Uh, I bought a second-hand copy, and I'm really enjoying it. But, you know, one of the things that really ticks me off about it is that every time I start the game up, it says, oh, put your um, put your inbox code in so you can unlock Catwoman. Yeah. No, I can't do that because I didn't buy the game new. I bought it second-hand. So uh, I don't think I even have the code. But even if I had the code, it was already registered to somebody else, so it wouldn't work. Do you think I can turn that off, that that warning? Do you think I can say, no, I don't want this, and please never show this to me again? I cannot. I have to sit through it. And that's that's really what worries me about all of this, is that we're going to end up with a situation where the gaming company is going to say, let's keep that internet connection open so that we can constantly throw stuff at our customers um, to uh, advertise to them and to spam them with new stuff. And that's just not exper- an experience I want. Nor I, and I think most listeners would agree with you. And uh, only time will tell. I hope you're wrong. I have a yeah. feeling that you're probably not. But I think it's going to come down to customer reaction. If customers put up with yeah. it, companies are going to do it. If customers rebel, well, I mean, I remember, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the name Spore. Yeah. There was a big controversy there. And... The game pretty much... Well, it, it killed say, the game. Yeah, it, yeah, because there was so much... And they didn't correct it. They didn't do what customers were upset about. The DRM requirements and all that. So I think that's kind of a... At least the first salvo of... of uh, I was going to say listeners. Of customers saying, no, this is not right. And they pretty much killed that game. Yeah, and you, of course you talked about the competition from iOS devices. Um, I'm very well aware that there's a very similar game to Diablo coming out for the iOS devices soon called Infinity Blade Dungeons. Interesting. It was advertised, 
advertised by Apple when they launched the new iPad, and um, it looks like very much like a. Unlike some of the games which you can get now, which are kind of like dungeon crawlers, this one kind of looks like it really is very much modelled on Diablo. And um, better we a damn sight cheaper than sixty dollars, and I bet it won't require an online requirement either. That'd be cool. I'm, that'll be a game I'll have to check out. It's been a long, long time since I've been interested in a dungeon crawling game. So it's going to have to bring something to the table to warrant my attention, to be honest. But let's take our last break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to go into uh, some feedback. And then we're going to talk about the future of television. Be right back. Hello, Peter. Oh, hi, Grog. What are you doing, Grog? Oh, downloading another podcast to my phone. A podcast? What is that? Hmm, podcast is like um, a radio show, except you download it, you know, from the internet. You could put it on your phone or your iPod. Um, you can download podcasts about pretty much anything. Wow, really? What kind of podcasts are out there for me? Well, Peter, uh, you're a teacher, so me think the best podcast for you would be TeacherCast. Go into iTunes and search for TeacherCast on podcasts, and you'll find it there for you. TeacherCast podcast has some of the best information for teachers who are wanting to learn more about teaching and learning and technology. It's a good podcast. All right. Thanks, Grog. A podcast. Hmm. TeacherCast. I'll remember that to go search for it when I get home. TeacherCast podcast. Thanks, Grog. All right, now we're going to start the bidding out of 50. Do I hear 59 to 59? I got 50. Tired of hearing the same old podcast. Want something new? Want something different? Well, I don't know what to tell you. But check out the Apple Junkies podcast anyways. You just might enjoy it. And it's still better than listening to this guy. App reviews and news on your favorite iOS devices. The Apple Junkies podcast. So, David, last segment here of the week for Tech Fan. We good for next week? Uh, da, da, da. yeah, should be okay. Yeah, good. You know, I got some. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm holiday next week, so um, I'll I'll be around. Yeah, we're actually doing a day earlier this week because I'm on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's it feels like Friday to me though. It's gonna screw me up all day long. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I did get one email that uh, I didn't forward to you, and it said basically, "Why no guests on TechFam?" And there's a really good reason for that, and that's because I'm lazy. I'm, I'm very lazy. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I was lazy immediately. Pops into my head when we uh, said, "I'm not not just you, me too." It's you know, I I can't help it. I we we need to bring in Kevin from uh, Geekiest Show Ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll try to work that out. I wouldn't mind having Mark on as well. But yeah, it, I, I it, mean to be to be fair, I mean it's not just laziness. The time we record this is not the most convenient time for anybody except us. I know exactly. <laughs> you know because it's like ten in the morning for you, it's three in the afternoon for me. It's not more than a Friday. I mean it's a sucky time for anybody who who does anything else, right? I mean it's it's not that I can't do it another time, but David and I really it, it's difficult to do so so to get somebody else on the show either david's going to have to have him on uh with just him or i'm going to have him on with just me and you know tech fan is supposed to be me and david so it's it's not an ideal solution but occasionally if if that's the way we need to go we can do that we could drop it in as a segment something like that 
Mm-hmm. But uh, if you want to contact us, go to techfanpodcast.com and click the button that says, appropriately enough, contact us. And uh, it's just a little form. You hit submit, and uh, David and I will get it. Yeah. And last week, David, if you remember, and by the way, if, if you're going to go to techfanpodcast.com, click the Amazon button. It's on the main page on the right-hand side. Just click that and buy whatever you're normally going to buy. If it's electronics, fine. If it's a bicycle, fine. It's a bologna lunch meat. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so last week, David, I got, we got into politics a little bit, which I'm a very political person when it comes to opinion and policies. Um I don't usually bring them up here on the Tech Fan Podcast because it's just not the right. Everybody has their own politics. No two people think exactly the same thing. I think you and I are very similar, but we're going to have differences of opinion as well. Um, Yep. And I talked about the Republicans last week, why I was so disenchanted with them. And uh, Debbie Myers sent us some feedback. She did. You want to read that? I will. Uh, She says, when Katrina hit the Gulf Coast, I was glued to the news coverage. I was watching CNN when the Louisiana governor and the New Orleans mayor gave their first press conference. A reporter asked if they were going to accept the offer of National Guard aid that President Bush was urging them to accept. They said they did not need or want the National Guard down there that Louisiana and New Orleans could handle the disaster themselves. I was appalled when the governor and the mayor started complaining about the president's slow response and blaming him and the Republicans in general for lack of National Guard or any other government aid. The misinformation snowballed from there. Although CNN repeats every interview and newscast over and over, that segment was never shown again. I've never heard any reporter repeat it either. During the mass exodus from Houston during their hurricane soon after Katrina, cars were at a standstill on the northbound highways as far as you could see. Reporters were doing live interviews with the stranded motorists. Several people were interviewed on CNN who said the situation wasn't too bad. Everyone was helping others, sharing water, food, visiting with each other, etc. They were making the best of it. Others complained bitterly about how horribly the disaster was being handled by President Bush. The interviews with the happier people were never repeated on CNN. In fact, one reporter repeatedly tried to cut an interview short with a young boy who was talking about how great it was that Americans were helping each other in time of need, not so with the disgruntled. Please keep this in mind when watching network news, you're not always getting both sides. Always also thanks for the old time rock and roll radio info, my husband will love it. Yeah, old time rock and roll radio is a good show. If you guys check it out, it yeah. is part of the Stoplight Network. And uh Speaking of the stoplight, I'll res- we'll respond to that in a second. Speaking of the stoplight network, David, there's a new show on the network now. Did you did you catch that? I did not know. You did. You don't know about the new show? No. It is called Three Geeky Ladies, and uh, uh-huh. yeah, it's pretty cool. Elisa Pasali, Suze Gilbert, and Vicky Stokes are doing a new show. And uh, cool. I got to put the information up on the Stoplight Network page um, with a link to the iTunes. So make sure you guys check that out. And I think it's a fantastic thing. Women in technology, I've always been a huge uh, proponent for. And that's why we've always had a lot of women writers at MyMac. 
Um, in fact, the very first person, David, who wrote an article for MyMac.com, which wasn't even .com, then it was just MyMac Magazine, uh, was a woman named Pam Wilson. Mm-hmm. So the very first contributor to MyMac, outside of myself, was a female. So women in technology is something that I'm... I push my kids to it. I, uh, you know, you you have to be in this industry if technology is everywhere now. So well, now I have an hour and a half to two hours extra in my podcast listening schedule every week. That's I right. will definitely pick that one up. I'm halfway through the first episode. I haven't listened to it all yet because of the Washington D.C. thing. Um, but from what I've heard, really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to in the first episode. It's kind of getting to know who they are. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to talk about in the future. So. Getting back to uh, our feedback from uh, Debbie Myers, it's D-E-B-I, so I'm going to assume Debbie Myers is a woman. <laughs> I could be wrong. Who knows? It would be a strange name for a man, but... She, she might, uh, they might not be called even Debbie Myers. Who knows on the internet? That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I hate, I hate, you know... <laughs> you know what? That noise you just made... Is exactly the noise I made when you first forwarded that email. <laughs> yes, you did. It was how to respond to this. <laughs> it's it's difficult because there's always multiple sides to everything. Yeah, uh, but, and, but I mean, let's let's accept. I think Debbie's point that um, that the news in general. TV news in particular um, is is not objectively fair and balanced all the time. I agree report, with that. You, you hope, I don't think that this is always true, but you hope that in the main, the most major news organizations, when they're doing the actual reporting and actually interviewing and talking to people and getting the story that those people try to be as objective as possible and try to get as much balance into what they file as possible. But once it gets to the network and it's being uh, cut up and presented and edited and you know put into the schedule, I think we all appreciate that in the, even the 24-hour news schedule, um, the editors will go with what um, sells and often what sells is one side of a story and not another and they will bring their own biases to the way it's edited and presented as well so i think you know we can all accept whether it's fox news or cnn or the bbc or al jazeera or whoever it is that there's always some sort of editorial slant put onto what's presented to you and it's not pure objective fact Mm. i i would hesitantly agree with some of that I think some, well, some I, news I think programs. Yeah. Well, I, I would look at Fox and say they're not objective about anything. Uh, but I think I think they are they within their not to try. I can't believe I'm I'm going to end up defending Fox News. But um, I think within their view of the world, they are objective, right? What what? But what my they but do, my problem they, is, they do in particular what they do in particular is they have a particular slant on the world and they fit everything into that slant and i have no problem with that in and of itself except except they lie all the time i if it's just an opinion that's fine but they lie about facts 
I, I think that I that's where my problem is. It's like, yeah, look, my, if you're not my, objective, yeah. that's fine. If it's a, if it's an yeah. opinion show on your network, that's fine. Even though you guys kind of blur the line between what's objective and what's an opinion and what's the actual news. Regardless, I've watched Fox News quite a bit. They absolutely, on a regular basis, not just distort facts, but they out and out lie they yeah, lie I, and and that's I, what bothers I, I, me if the truth if the truth hurts me because i have a different opinion or let's say i'm a fan of something and they report on a negative i you know i have no problem with that because yeah. that's that's what i have to deal with yeah i know i i do agree with you I, i'm trust me i'm no fan of fox news at all um last time we were in the states my wife was flipping through the channel she was going through the news channels we like to watch a lot of network news and she stopped on fox news she said and you know she was kind of taken by the flashy graphics and the way it's presented and everything and she went oh this looks quite good i said no turn it off it's evil o- only joking it's not evil um not objective either though um i agree with you i think I think that the problem with Fox News in particular is that their contributors are completely and utterly non-objective, and I think as an e- their editorial stance is to turn a very large blind eye to all of that, and then you know kind of go for the plausible deniability fence defense when they get called out on it. Kind of oh, we didn't realise that that wasn't accurate, and, you know. But you know, let's not get too sidetracked onto that. I, They're I mean, ethically I th- challenged. Let's just yeah, I, I agree. I agree, and and I think a lot of lot of a lot of uh, people who watch the news have some real problems with Fox News, but kind of let's not get too far down that because that is kind of a, a sideshow to the main discussion here, okay? Which is is um, I mean Debbie mentioned CNN particularly. Now I I I don't watch we don't really get a lot of CNN over here. Um, our, most of the news channels I watch are either um, the BBC News Twenty Four or uh, Sky News, which is a news international. Um, thing which is kind of is is owned by the same company who owns Fox News, but um, they are not Fox News by any stretch of the imagination. Um, they are, you know, despite the fact they're owned by Rupert Murdoch, they are actually, you know, not most of the time, fairly okay. <coughs> I think the difficulty is is that. Yeah, I mean, going back to what we were saying, the news cycle is such that, you know, uh, bad news sells uh, and bad news makes the headlines. And so I can quite understand how um, even CNN might have presented the Katrina response in a more negative way than maybe perhaps it could have done and not balanced that out with, uh, you know, people who are happy. But I think actually, if you kind of get, get into the meat of what, what Debbie's saying here, she says that um, a reporter asked if they're going to accept the offer of National Guard aid that President Bush was urging them to accept. Well, that's not actually how it works. The National Guard works for the state in the first instance. They are ultimately responsible to the president as he's the commander-in-chief of the military, but they are um, organized on the state level. So President Bush cannot mobilize the National Guard uh, over the uh, requirements of the governor of the state um, at least he couldn't back then. I think they, you, the, uh, the the law that he changed the law after that to allow him to do that. Yep. Um, and but you know, as, as I said to you in my email response to this initially, um, the, the, I don't think anybody looking back at it now accepts there was 
a um, difference of opinion and some political resistance because of different colours of political badges between the uh, the state legislature and organisation in Louisiana uh, and the White House because the White House were Republicans, Louisiana was a Democratic governor, um, and they didn't like each other stepping on each other's toes. Throw in the fact that FEMA's response after the hurricane was woeful and very badly managed um and um you know the sounds like we lost david white house who ultimately uh, femmer's boss did not i'm still here yeah um the white house who ultimately a femmer's um you know uh, governing body did not then respond well to dealing with the problems of femmer um you know i think i think that that was a problem um and i and i don't think anybody independent would uh, would say it was all the White House's fault. The response: there were definitely failings in Louisiana and New Orleans. Yep. To go on, yeah, to go on to what um, was said about Houston. Well, that was three weeks after Katrina. That was Hurricane Rita. Um, Houston itself wasn't hit that bad, um, and obviously, the those people on that stuck on that highway had the context of what they'd just seen happen to New Orleans. I would say that their attitude to each other in terms of helping out their fellow man would have been very much coloured by what they had seen to what happened to, you know, some pretty deprived and horrible people, uh, you know, poor people in um, in New Orleans who were kind of left, you know. The, the difficulty in New Orleans wasn't the people who were evacuated. It was the people who were left stuck in the city who were mostly poor, black, um, underprivileged, not able to to get themselves out of where they were, were worried about what little property they had, and they were sent to um, rescue centres that had no food, no water, weren't properly prepared. And then after the hurricane, nobody came in to rescue them. That was that was the the real criticism. A lot of those people, you know, really suffered. And that, well, a that was a lot of people prob- died. Yeah, a lot of people all died. broke down. You know, and and of course, you know, those were. The, the real criticism uh, uh, about the White House response was um, there wasn't much urgency into it because they thought those people who were, who were in that trouble and who were dying and that sort of thing weren't core Republican voters or, or certainly weren't people who, who the, uh, the guys in charge were, were motivated to help perhaps as much as if they would have been, um, you know, white downtown, downtowners from Houston. That's my understanding of it and that's my kind of my feeling on it now if anybody's got a different view that's absolutely fine i'm always happy to debate that and you know um and i and i would not say it was it was all one side and it was all bush's fault but um you know ultimately he was the man in charge of femur and femur really screwed it up royally yeah he put one of his cronies in who had zero experience and uh Cronyism seems to be in, a, in both sides of politics the uh, the standard. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have to think. Podcasttechfan.com. Contact us button. Fill out the little form. Click send. Dave and I will get it. Did you get that email sent to you or did I just forward it to you? What, that one I just read? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you sent it to me. Yeah. yeah. I got it. Yeah, I got it. Uh, you should have got it immediately. I'm going to have to check the uh, settings. No, no, you you did have to forward it yeah. to me. I have to check the settings because anybody who fills out that form, it should come to both of us. So I've screwed something up. Imagine that. <laughs> I'll check. Um, going to go a little bit long here. Not too much longer, though. 
because uh, the wife's going to be home soon. But I kept talking about the future of television. Uh, Apple has an event coming up, WWDC. A lot of people are talking about an update to the Apple TV software, which will obviously happen. It's an iOS device, so um, you know we're going to see most likely uh, at least an announcement for iOS six. I think. Yeah. Um, I think that's, but, that's fairly said. Yeah, but beyond that, I'm kind of curious. We could touch on it today and and take a week to think about it some more and come back with some more feelings next week or uh, thoughts about it next week as well. Uh, what is the future of television, David? Is it an Apple TV-like device? Is it portability, i.e. your iPad or your computer? Would it, whatever's showing in your local market, should that follow you wherever you're at? Should we have the ability to skip past commercials if it screws up their business model? Do we even care what their business model is as consumers? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, we already have the ability to skip past commercials. Because well, I, there's, a, there's a, a lawsuit going on right now. DirecTV's getting sued. Is it DirecTV? Oh, I'm bad. Somebody's being sued. Maybe it's Dish Networks. One of the satellite providers is getting sued because they have a new technology in their uh, DVR that basically lets you skip past all the commercials. Right. I, I, To me, pointless lawsuit, because all you're doing is automating what people do anyway, which is they record things on their DVR uh, and then they press the fast-forward button when they get to commercials until the program comes on, and then they stop. We, in my house, we... Um, we actually uh, we, we're on a system that, that we have in the UK called Freeview, which is uh, an over-the-air digital transmission system. You can buy uh, it's a standard, so you can buy any DVR that supports it and picks up the digital digital signal. So we've got a, a DVR that does that, and we go out of our way to only watch live channels from the BBC because they don't have any ads in. And when I say they don't have any ads, they, they advertise other BBC programs, but what they don't have is commercials. commercials. Yeah. yeah? Um, and what we will do is uh, we sit down to watch TV of an evening as we'll look at the schedule and we'll see which BBC programs are on and then we'll also see which programs on the commercial channels we want to record or watch. Uh, and we'll just time shift. So we'll start watching the BBC program, be recording the, the program on... Uh, ITV or Channel 4, which are one of the commercial channels, just so that by the time we get to finish the BBC program, we can start watching the recorded program, even if it's still in progress, on the commercial channel, so we can then skip through the ads. Um, And it's a little bit of a game, because you need to get far enough ahead of yourself in the the commercial program, so that you don't reach the end of the recording and then get stuck watching it live because then you can't skip past the ads. Um, and so, Is that fair, tell- though? Well, let's be honest. So, you know, I haven't had the time to sell ads on the Stoplight Network. And the reason is I'm just way, way busy. Yeah. So, but we've had ads in the past, not on TechFan. At least I don't remember any ads. Maybe we did. But I had ads on the MyMac podcast years before most other podcasts had ads. Paid advertising. Some of it was pre-recorded. Some of it was a live read. But we had advertising. You were 
one of the hosts when we had advertising on that show. Yeah. Um, we never made a, a lot that, you know, we can all go out and buy new equipment every week. We usually made enough to pay for the bandwidth costs and all that. It was it was a break-even proposition, pretty much. Yeah. But the whole idea of the network is, eventually, you know, sell some ads and share in the revenue as well, as promoting but, each other. But the deal you do when you sign up for advertising like that is you do understand that the certain proportion of your listeners aren't going to listen to them. Um, or aren't you gonna, they're either going to skip past them or... Uh, let's be honest with you, I mean... None, none, of, the, none of the really, listeners I want really, podcasts. Yeah, unless you're, um, but unless you're going back to TV for a minute, unless you're a kid, most kids will sit and watch the commercials between the cartoons because they advertise things they're interested in looking at. But you know, most adults, if they're watching a TV show and the ads come on, they get up and go and get a drink or you know go to the bathroom or you know tidy up around the room until the program starts again but and then, then they we sit can... down and start watching it so you the point is is it doesn't matter what technology you put in place to allow people to skip past ads you can't force people to watch an ad and, and pay attention to an ad and even then you're fighting a losing battle to try and get whatever you're advertising to sink into people's heads and advertising is built on that understanding anybody who works in advertising knows what their hit rate is they know that if they hit a hundred people with an ad that it's going to, you know, 20 people are going to watch it, 10 people are going to remember it, five people are going to be interested in it, and two people are going to go out and buy the product they're advertising. They work all of that into their calculations. That's how ads are costed. And so all that you're talking about when you put technology in is you're, you're changing those numbers. You're not eliminating. You won't ever get to a point where nobody will ever watch an ad. And if, if that does become the case, then, then advertising will just become cheaper and cheaper. Um, and, but um, there's the problem is they get cheaper and cheaper, and then we get worse and worse shows. You can't, um, you can't produce a Battlestar Galactica with all those special effects without advertising to pay for it. Uh, that's, uh, that's well, uh, yeah, it depends exactly what your business model is. If your business model is purely commercial... You know, break even, ab- break even or better advertising. Well, yeah, break even. So you've got to pay. You've got to and enough of your advertising. No one's going to do it for break even. To operate, op- well, to operate your network and 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 pay for all the costs and uh, cover everything off, and then yeah, you know, they will do it for break even if they can keep um, you know, a Viacom or something can keep enough interest in their network so that they can continue to trade share price. They will do it for break even. No, not too much anymore. They want to do. They want the ideally break they even. To... Break even is a bad business model in any industry, unless you're a nonprofit. Break even is terrible. The point is, is that you know it will change, and people need to adapt and figure out how to do it. And just sticking with the old advertising model isn't necessarily the right way to do it. I I agree with you. Next week, let's talk about then where the future of television is, and what technologies are out there currently and maybe ones that we would love to see invented to allow us to uh to enjoy stuff like Battlestar Galactica which isn't even on the air anymore this is this is something that's a particular germane interest to me cuz probably in the next few days I'm going to buy a new TV oh um because uh our current TV we've got an old uh, well it's not that old but we we bought one of the first panel TVs I could buy it was a, it was a no name one but it wasn't particularly expensive, a 37-inch LCD TV. 
But what's happened over time is it's developed dark shadows in the back of the screen. I think part of the backlight's not working properly or something's peeled away or something like that. So now there is these marks on the screen. So it needs replacing and I just got a bonus through work. So uh, I have the money to go out and buy a new one. Um, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to go out and, and have a look at what there is. But no, I've got to admit, <laughs> I'm a bit perplexed because, uh, you know, there are so many different types and technologies and a lot of them have these kind of features on that I'm not really sure I want. <laughs> uh, I and, you know, uh, do I buy a 3D TV? No. Even though I don't want 3D because, no. you know, those the, the 3D TVs tend to be the higher-end ones that are better and capitalise on the fact that nobody wants 3D so that's making them cheaper. Or do I just go, you know, do I buy another cheap no-name clone? Uh, run it for four years and then replace it with something else or do I go out and spend a little bit more on a Sony or a Panasonic do I buy a plasma or a LED or LED. an LCD LED uh, you know at least 120 megahertz preferably 240 you know do I am I bothered about 720p or 1080p 1080p why <laughs> why I'm, I'm I'm sat seven maybe only seven feet away from the TV I know but 1080p is kind of the standard now Plasma? No. No. Dead technology. Ellie, just this. The, I mean, look, my, look for my, an LED at, at least at 120 megahertz. My gut feel megahertz. was LED. Yes. But obviously, they're a little bit more expensive. They are, but they're worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And you brand need at name. least 100 and yeah, brand name. I mean, there's like four manufacturers of television now that actually put them together. The glass and the screen and the LED itself will probably be made by different companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all get slapped on basically the same boxes. Um, they're all good for, you know, three to five years, and then you have to start thinking about replacing them, which sucks, I know, but that's the world we live in now. But, I mean, you know, a few of the things, I, I would definitely say LED, and I would say at least 120 megahertz refresh rate, and you should yep. be good. Let's, okay. let's talk about it some more next week, though. Let's see, and, how, see where I get. And here's where the listeners come in. We'd love to hear what your ideas are on the future of television, both from a hardware and a software perspective, as well as delivery, i.e., is it cable? Is it is it an app? Is it How do you get the data for your television? How, how does it get to your television? And is the television itself an actual television anymore, or is it something more portable? So any and all, we'd love to hear back from you guys. Go to techfanpodcast.com, contact us, and send us your thoughts. David, my friend, it was uh, a distinct pleasure as always. (laughs) Thank you, Ed. And back at you. I'll talk to you next week, man.